It has been two years, two months, and 29 days since I last treated a patient. I want to talk to newer providers today. Most of what this episode will cover is old news to experienced providers. Any patient listeners out there might find this interesting, maybe generate some guilt, or even possibly some defensiveness, but hopefully it'll be informative at the least. I also want to point out that I'm going to say several things multiple times throughout this episode. It's not that I'm not aware that I'm being redundant. It's just that these points really bear repeating because of how important they are. When it comes to reasons my patients gave for not doing their homework, the response I didn't have time was by far the most cited. The reality is lack of time really wasn't the reason they couldn't do their homework. I was always careful to keep to the research-backed three to five exercises max in a home program for compliance to be possible. The only time I would prescribe more than that would be the occasional time when a patient had three-plus body regions that were distinctly different problems. This was incredibly rare. Most of the time, multiple body regions of pain are only one, maybe two primary problems manifesting all over the place. So three to five exercises was my max, and I even tried to keep it to less than three when I could. I also made sure that the time commitment to the home program would be less than 15 minutes for one session. While it's true that I nearly always asked the patient to do the homework as many times in a day as possible to practice motor control, I still understood that people were busy and expecting more than once a day was just unreasonable. Not being able to find 15 minutes in a day is also impossible. What's more likely is that the patient didn't want to make the time to participate in the homework. There are a lot of reasons a patient wouldn't want to make time, many valid reasons, and many excuses. Whether valid or an excuse, most of the time, lack of participation falls into the category of the human condition. It is also representative of one of the fundamental truths in patient care. Less than half of patients will be compliant with their homework. This is a sliding scale on an individual basis, though. It's not that once a patient is in the bucket of non-compliant or bucket of compliant, they stay there. A person could be compliant this week, then become non-compliant the next. It all depends upon situational circumstances. There are certainly patients who will never be compliant and patients who will always do what they're asked to do, but those are the outliers in the patient population. For newer providers out there, I doubt you expect to capture 100% of your patients in home, pro in home program compliance, but you're probably trying to get at least 75%. This is a losing battle that becomes increasingly frustrating for you over time if you hold to it. You simply need to understand that on any given week, getting 50% of the total quantity of your patients to be compliant would be considered incredible. I specifically chose to use the word quantity there. It's because that sliding scale of compliance that I mentioned a minute ago, these patients will jump back and forth between compliant and non-compliant. But at the end of the day, if you're counting, 50% reach compliant is amazing. Less than 50% is expected. A more practical use of your time and efforts need to go to a specific subset of your weekly patient population. The always compliant don't need your help. The never compliant won't do the work anyway. The middle group is your focus area, but you have to be very calculated about how you try to capture your target group. I'm going to reference the bell curve again from last episode. Your measure is probability of compliance, and your target is the first standard deviation from the mean. I'm not going to explain what I just said if you don't know what it means. It's a cheap trick to get you to go listen to my last episode. I am unashamed of this. 
the weekly population that falls to the left of the mean will require exponentially increasing effort to help them reach compliance the further away from the mean you get. On the right side of the bell, the second and third standard deviation don't need your help being compliant. The population in the first standard deviation to the right is the group where you have the best chance to actively influence them into compliance versus not. Speaking on the first standard deviation to the left, it isn't that you can't capture this group to become compliant. It's just that the better use of your time is to expect noncompliance in the home program and shift your session plan accordingly. While yes, home program compliance is mandatory for better outcomes in physical therapy, there are still ways to move the needle closer to good outcomes without home program compliance. Side note to patients, that last sentence is not a free pass to expect your PT to get you better. That is entirely impossible without your participation. Side note over. For the first standard deviation to the left, if you expect home program noncompliance and you get compliance, then it's just a massive extra benefit to these patients. In particular, if the home program you've given them truly builds on the interventions you do in the clinic, there is a strong chance that doing the home program will create improvement that they can actually feel. This, of course, will reinforce their commitment to participate in the future. Simply put, what I'm saying is that you're going to get more bang for your buck expecting noncompliance with the first standard deviation to the left and just hoping that you're wrong. The first standard deviation to the right needs a specific structure to the session as well. This group will need to be won over to ensure compliance. Your focus for this group needs to be on providing value in the home program first, then demonstrating that value to them. Too much focus on doing passive interventions like you would for the first standard deviation to the left will often lead to one of two results for this group. One, you reinforce the fallacy that they can be fixed by the PT. Two, you lose valuable time on the demonstration of the value of the program you have assigned. There are two points that I'm going to cover next, and I cannot possibly stress the importance of these enough. New providers, listen very closely. The first point is that the second and third standard deviation to the right will be compliant without you needing to work that hard. Do not become lazy in your prescriptions for this group. Just because they'll do what you say doesn't mean you get to coast on providing a valuable prescription. You need to work just as hard to provide the right prescription for them. The only difference in workload for this group is that you don't need to work that hard to get them to do it. Point number two is that the first standard deviation to the right is the hardest part of your job, clinically speaking, of course. You have very little room for margin of error with this group, and it is the group you have the greatest influence on creating compliance versus creating noncompliance. On a week-to-week -week basis, you need to fully understand the current state of this patient, both physically and mentally. You need to be performing an effective evaluation comparing this week and last week to know specifically what you've gotten correct versus what you haven't. You need to tailor the home program to addressing this week's presentation while still working toward the final goal of condition resolution. You also don't get the freedom to just provide the best exercises to address this week's presentation. You have to take the right exercises and find the ones that are similar but also provide less friction than the quote-unquote best in order for the patient to get the homework done. You need to find the right exercises that provide aha moments to patients where they can actively prove to themselves that participation improves their condition. You need to understand the patient's personal life on any given week to know when is the right time to put the most effort in the points I just said. When the patient's brother, sister-in-law, and their four poorly behaved children are staying in their house for the week, 
it is not the time to give them the most impactful exercises that require concentration and effort. Instead, that's the week to give impactful exercises that also serve to downregulate their system. When they're amped up, you don't want to give them physically taxing exercises. You don't want to give them complicated motor control work. You get the point. For everyone listening, not just newer providers, that second point is actually true all the time for all patients. That is the job description of of the physical therapist. The difference in that second point, emphasizing the first standard deviation to the right, is that the margin of error for the PT in this group is extremely small. If a PT messes up on the job description in any of the standard deviations besides the first one to the right, it will cause the expected result for said group. They'll either be non-compliant or they'll be compliant according to their natural inclinations. The first standard deviation to the left is the second hardest part of your job, newer providers. This is the group that you have to allow for just the right amount of passive participation that doesn't teach them to rely on passive. You also can't miss the mark on prescribing a home program that is impactful while being frictionless to complete. Too much complication in an exercise, too many requirements for setup or position or equipment, too little potential to create aha moments for the patient with the home program, all of these will further foster this patient to continue being non-compliant. The mark of excellence in a physical therapist is in the first standard deviation of patient compliance. It is easy to get good outcomes on highly compliant patients, even with a subpar home, home program. It is impossible to get good outcomes on a willfully non-compliant patient, no matter how technically amazing you are as a PT. Neither of the second and third standard deviations need you to be on your game mechanically, psychosocially, innovatively, captivatingly, or any other adverb you want to use. The first standard deviations require you to check all of those adverb boxes. If you want to shine in your profession, learn how to master the first standard deviation in probability of compliance. If you do, the spillover effect will actually make your outcomes even better than they would have been for the compliant patients. And more importantly, you'll even occasionally convert the willfully non-compliant into compliance. In summary, this episode is essentially how to be a good provider. Next episode is going to be how to be a good patient. Signing off for today. Never settle for mediocre, but be careful how hard you burn striving for greatness. Sometimes that cost is more than your mind can afford.